hello and welcome to Oh What a Marvel Hawkeye. This is the final episode. I am Dean Lewis and I'm joined to you. And just a little bit before I get there, behind the scenes, sometimes I get in from work like an hour, hour and a half before before I start the show. And that's a bit of a head fuck for me. I have to really prep myself as I'm walking home in the cold and dark here in the UK. But that is nothing compared to what this guy just did. You didn't see it before we started the stream, guys. He literally dove through a window and landed in that chair. How are you doing, man? It's great to have you. I'm doing good. I'm doing real good, man. I went on ahead, borrowed Kate's. Uh, she ended up letting me borrow her arrow. So I was able to just glide right on through my window and everything without any problems. So I was just, a, so, you know, I just appreciate Perfect. you guys being able to have me back again and also too i told kate before she let me borrow the arrow hey look i have to make it for this show so gracefully she's getting me have her arrow rather than clint because clint is busy and everything so you know it's just yeah he's, back. he's not firing so many arrows this episode i mean there's enough there's more than enough everyone but he does take a back seat when we get to the end we get some good hat but we're gonna get to all of that hand-to-hand combat those trick arrows grappling hooks all the, we we get all the all the toys come out of the play box for this final episode as you would expect for a finale however before we get to any of that there's the matter of last week's cliffhanger and a certain mr fisk who has now entered the fray officially um which i'm sure we're all very excited about um to be honest i was a little bit let down with how they brought him in Last row, it's just like really all this build up, and you introduce you on a phone screen. But I digress. I digress. He, this man, walks into the beginning of this episode, and it's like he never went anywhere at all. He just got older and meaner. There's the image, and he's got the classic, <laughs> the white jacket, which it took him three seasons of Daredevil to get that damn jacket. And it's great to see him coming here, looking. Like he walked Fresh. off the page, <laughs> you know, but he looks the same, but also it looks better somehow. I can't even quite put my finger on it. Maybe it's just the wizened age of D'Onofrio. Maybe he's had some time to ruminate on this and really, you know, he clearly loves this character. Um, how are you feeling? Kingpin comes in. What's it, what's it right. doing for you? Okay, so I wasn't here for last week's episode. As a matter of fact, I didn't even do an episode for my la- my episode last week for this one because everybody was out of town. So basically is this. I love the chemistry. Let me just go on and say this. I love the chemistry within the last episode last week with the with uh, the sister of Black Widow and stuff like that too. I loved, I loved the chemistry with them. I thought they were really good between Kate and her. But seeing... But then you wind up seeing the the kingpin easter egg and everything i'm like okay it's nice you know but i liked all the other stuff before i got to this <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's like yeah it's like we knew it was half gonna happen we didn't know how it was gonna happen but yeah was i excited yeah i was excited but you know I, you know i didn't like fanboy like i thought it was gonna be because of the fact that it was just the cell phone reading the cell phone and then also two with her mom but seeing him being introduced into this episode now, this made me have goosebumps, to be honest. With yeah. You. This was the way to do it. This is great. Do you think, because I think that maybe last week they should have ended with just Kate looking at the phone like, 
oh my god and then cut and then this is when we we just see him walk into the shop and and this was the moment that we get introduced to him i think would have been more impactful to be honest mm. I agree. I felt a little bit lackluster seeing that in the last episode. I'm like, okay, yeah, definitely. Nice. You know, but and also it doesn't help that because of the internet, we basically kind of knew that it was probably coming, right? Um, to a, to to varying degrees, depending on how like immersed in, in in Twitter and you know the social media you are. But I think most people like doing shows like this. We basically knew it was happening. Probably not the right. casual viewers so much. Exactly. Um, who doesn't appear to have a full grasp of the um the reach of the kingpin is old um Eleanor Bishop. She really does not seem to be. She didn't. She didn't watch seasons one to three of Daredevil because she doesn't understand how dangerous this man is. She's just like, yep, you know what? I want to be out, and I've got material to blackmail you if you don't let me out. Like straight up. Like this is this is the same woman who said to Clint in episode three, I believe, that you know he's a piece of shit. He let Natasha mm-hmm. die, so it tracks for her character, but she is not. She doesn't appreci- get it. She's not appreciating what she's getting into. Like she, like if you you've got an Avenger sitting in your living room, and that's not enough to tell you that like. You're weighing over your head. You think you can just play a little game here, get get your husband framed and just sign a few papers here and there and just move some money around and that's going to be the end of it? No, 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 no. What are you doing? Right. Because to be honest with you, I, I'm, I'm with you on that too, though. I'm like, you're acting like you're just quitting a job at McDonald's. It's like, exactly. <laughs> Kingpin's your supervisor. It's like, hey, look, Buddy, I don't like the way things are going over here in management. So you know what? I'm going to go do my way. You go your way kind of thing. No, this is not like having a job at McDonald's where you can just have like a five to uh, seven to five job. And And then she threatens to blackmail Ronald McDonald. (laughs) You don't do that. No, no, you don't. Because come on, we're talking about Fisk here. We're talking about Kingpin. She's way over her head for starters. And he, this guy is huge. I mean, come I mean, on. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not great. Like, no. to be honest, I was half expecting him to just, like, put her through a wall or a table right then and there. Um, I'm pretty surprised that instead of doing that, the Kingpin is hiring or manip- or using um, Kazi. Is it Kazi? Kazi? The guy? The, um, yeah, Kazi. The tracksuit guy? Yeah, that's Kazi. Yeah, and Kingpin's apparently letting it like throughout this episode, he's, he's utilizing this guy to do everything because he's like, right, you got to go after Echo, you know, watch on this Eleanor. She's, you know, he's clearly well, he's clearly been watching her anyway. You would assume, and then later on in the episode, he's like hiring or getting Kazi to to be the snipers. Like, really, there's no snipers. And you had to have the second in command of the tracksuit mafia, and you could have had the the world's highest ranked sniper elite hitman mafioso motherfucker, and we we've got the second in command of the tracksuit mafia do it, doing our hits for us. These really important hits, like taking out Avengers and everything else. But I digress. I don't want to get. I'm getting too <laughs> ahead of myself. 
um, we we get some good stuff out of that character. But right. yeah, Eleanor's in shit. She's fucked up, and yes. she thinks she can just move on. And then we move on. What's the um? What's the next scene? Remind me what the next scene is. Then after that, where do we after go? The, that and everything, we wind up seeing that you know it's actually Christmas Eve when all this is happening. So yeah. then, of course, uh, we see Clint and Bishop. The uh, this is also another they thing wanna, that winds up. Yeah, they want to attend the gala. It's the gala thing, right? Yeah, the holiday party. And try now. Here's the thing that I liked about this. I liked how it was orchestrated. Where Clint is trying to protect everybody and things like that, because I liked how they played into it. They actually had the LARPing people in there and yeah. undercover. I thought that actually worked. I was really happy to see the LARPers in this episode. Like throughout, I thought they were actually added a nice layer to the episode that I was, you know, there was a lot more wholesome and not as comedic, you know, as you think right. it would be like. So I enjoyed those. Uh, to be honest, and that with was more you, of a payoff. Sorry, that was more of a payoff to me with that angle than having the costume, which I thought was a bit underwhelming. But go on. Right. To be honest with you, I felt like the tones were different when you got. It had more of a serious tone with Fisk, and then it kept that serious tone a little bit. And then once we get into the Home Alone making arrows episode. Uh, that's what I call a, a scene. Stuff in right this. there. That's... Yeah, exactly what I was going to compare it to is the Home Alone um, <laughs> scene. But I remember the scene I forgot is Fisk talks to Echo as well, right? After he talks right. to um, Eleanor. And it seems to me like there's a bit of a miscommunication going on there because Fisk is clearly like... He wants her, like, dealt with. But I don't think she realises that. She's just like, yeah, I'm going to get away from this. You know, she's not being quite as flippant as freaking Eleanor. No. But she's still like, I want to get away from this. And it felt like, to me, like, Echo wasn't really appreciating. Maybe it's because they, they got the family connection that she thinks that she's kind of safer from that kind of side of things. and right. she Or she just genuinely doesn't realise that like she's going over too far. She's getting all this extra heat and attention embroiled up in the situation, and it's just becoming too much. Well, so I thought that was interesting. There's a nice contrast to the scene that we get at the end. But go on. Okay. So when I'm I saw that scene play out, I was thinking the same thing that she was probably thinking that hey, I'm related to Fisk. He's my uncle. I work for him. But I think I can get some leeway because of the fact we're related and everything. And also, too, she's also deep in with Fisk as well. But at the same time, all Fisk cares about is one thing, one thing only, is power and money. He doesn't care about the implications that he's putting on his niece or anything like that. So, you know, when you see that being played out where Fisk doesn't really trust her because of the fact that Clint talked to her. And he doesn't trust her because Clint talked to her. And also, too, now she's coming to her senses that I could get other people killed, which is also what Kazi told her. And Kazi is not even backing her up now because he's more afraid of... of it's like when he's alone with her, he has all the power, all the control to talk to her. But with Fisk being around, 
it kind of just goes on ahead and just rolls up and rolls up and yeah. to nothing. The um, the Echo Kazi relationship really takes like a, a real one eighty turn through from where we see them in episode two. Um, is where is it where we're first introduced to them to where we see them in this episode? Because I remember saying on this show, like I really loved like they had like there was tenderness. It seemed like there was real tenderness between them and a real, you know, like human connection. And and to get to this point and. It's, I don't know if it's just because, you know, things are getting heated and Kazi's actually just all business and he he's only close with Echo because he can communicate with her and get her to do stuff that they want done. Or is he just a liar and, you know, manipulator? And then, or does he genuinely have that connection and then it's only, like you say, rolling up because he is the only person apparently in this whole episode other than Clint who appreciates the gravitas and the the terror of Wilson Fisk. It's interesting, and I didn't quite get an answer to that. I feel like he's wrapped up into his own ego, yeah. You think he just likes being, like, that right-hand man to, like, and that middleman between, like, Kingpin and, and Maya, and he just likes that he's got, like, what feels like a significant role in in that organization and that's where it ends for him i feel like when number the boss is around he shows respect towards the boss because that's who he is but at the same time you have it where when you're by yourself you're not going to end up saying the same things that you said to your boss a few minutes ago when you're in private with somebody else so he has more leeway whenever he's by himself i think it's more of the fact of a respect issue whenever he's around than anything and that this is where his journey ends is him just being the henchman to fisk and then she goes on her own journey and yeah he says later on in the episode like at the end he's like i can't i I can't walk in both things like it's like all or nothing for me this is the life that i have Mm -hmm. and and away with me go on sorry sorry i had a thought for a minute um (laughs) but it goes back to the beginning with Echo, right? Where she's trying to learn how to be in both worlds. So with him saying that I can't do both worlds, to walk the straight and narrow and also do their life of crime is either one way or no way for him. And he doesn't can't yeah. just walk away from it. And with Echo, she walked both paths on something that he couldn't do. So it goes back to a little bit of a foreshadowing of the uh, the first introduction into Echo's character, a little bit. But she she's saying like, "Come away with me, like we'll just go or whatever." Like it seems like she doesn't say that exactly, but it seems to me like that's the relationship they have. Like he mm-hmm. he, he could have gone. I suppose it's just like in you know indoctrination into like that kind of gang mafia. I don't know. I spoiler alert. I've never been in the mafia, so I don't know exactly how this stuff works. <laughs> but what I assume is that there's just this crazy, you know, like religious loyalty going on, where he just, yeah, he won't, he won't leave that despite the relationship that he knows that he could have with Maya, you know, that's already there, and it's pretty heartbreaking. 
But I do forget about that when Hawkeye suplexes him. So, again, getting ahead. Getting ahead. <laughs> so, we, 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 we were at the Gata or the, um, the party thing. And again, Kaji's been hired as the sniper for whatever reason. I'm sorry, if the Kimpy not got Bullseye, would that not have been a great moment to have had Bullseye there as the sniper? To I me, mean, that would make more sense. Having Kazi there, I get the fact he's you're a right-hand man, but to do this level of a job, he's just a street... To me, he's just a... Uh, let's see what I'm thinking of. The tracksuit mafia. The, it's leader the tracksuit of the track mafia. Suit. The name, the, the clue is in the name. Like That tells you everything you need to know. And you, you're the kingpin. It isn't so much a comment on like Kazi's character, but kingpin... You you know this is this is an Avenger who's well known across the universe for long range combat, and you're going to send just the, the convenient guy that you have lying around as your your number one go to assassin. Uh, I I don't buy it, and you know maybe maybe Bullseye would have been too much in in terms of like True. throwing in characters over. Huh. I, I'm not familiar with that. Um, Me either. But I do know that the um, four main actors playing the tracksuit mafia guys did recreate a panel from the comic book and they posted the picture on Twitter and that was pretty cool. There was the comparison. They were standing there with like their weapons in various poses and stuff and they they recreated a panel from the, the fraction and David Ayo, is it David Ayo who drew that? I don't know. Google it. And also Marvel and Disney credit and pay your writers and artists from the comics when you <laughs> use their shit in, in, in the shows and movies. But anyway, none of that negativity from me. So, <laughs> I love Kate, by the way. Kate in this episode is peak, peak goodness. She's, um, and also that black dress thing that she has is yes. pretty cool, and, and and the costume reveal and all that stuff is really great. But like, she really like it. It really comes like it kind of, you know, like the the witty kind of awkward but enthusiastic plucky sidekick thing, and but occasionally having like these moments of like real heart and. Like it all comes to a boil in this episode, and she really hits her stride. Clint's trusting her; they're working together. He even calls her his partner. Like really feeling those moments, but then also when she's realizing, like you know, my family is is now rolled is rolled up in this, regardless of the Clint connection now, and also slowly learning about like Fisk and and like. All the all the bigger plates that are spinning here. Like, I think she handles it really well. Um, I think so too. Because there's some really comical stuff as well that, on paper, probably shouldn't have worked with Yelena that we'll get to in a in a moment. But yeah, she really like all the the best qualities kind of come out all like at the right times, you know, in, in this one. And and I say Hawkeye calling up. Uh, the, 
she underplays the reaction of Hawkeye calling her the partner. I thought she was going to really, really ham that, or really they were going to make a thing out of it. But they really just, they do that a few times in this episode as well, where they kind of just lightly skim over some really good emotional moments. Mm. And, I have to um, agree with Jess on that. The Yelana and Kate scenes were the best. Yeah, Lee. You know what? We got a new producer on board. Let's get into that stuff right now because this stuff is a lot of fun. Not only have we got the um, the side scrolling shot, where, which I love, where they're going through the rooms and the apartments and everything, mm-hmm. and they they're getting up to the different shenanigans. But also, like the dynamic between them shouldn't work because you've got Yelena who's on like this personal death vendetta mission. She wants to wipe this fucker out. But she's like kind of being very flippant with Kate. And at first I was like, do I like this? Is is this a bit weird that she's on this hardcore, you know, personal mission and she's just joking around? But then that's just like, you know what? She's a black widow. She's trained to only hone in on the target, right? So she doesn't, the emotion doesn't come into the other parts of the equation. So when she's dealing with Kate or any of the other characters, it's just that element just isn't there in her. But until she's directly looking at Clint and dealing with Clint, it just turns on, right, like a like a red room training mm-hmm. thing, I guess. Um, but go on. Yeah. Okay. So I lo- here's the thing. Whenever I saw them eating uh macaroni together on the last episode and oh, the conversation beautiful. between them Hot was sword. just it was great to be honest with you i'm like i want to see more of that woman in power conversation smart intelligent women and talking and being smart and like you said before and everything yolana is not going to go after someone that's not her target but she wants to figure out why is kate falling around clint that was her mo for getting to know kate and if she and if she trusts Clint, why can't I trust Clint the way she trusts Clint? That's what I got out of it. So, oh, go on. Sorry. I was going to say, do you know what best embodies this um, dynamic with um, Yelena and, and Kate is the moment in the elevator, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm watching this thing, this scene play out, and I'm like, Yelena could just knock this kid out in a second anytime she wants to. Why is she just letting her carry on? following her and being a pest and i'm thinking this is getting a little bit silly in my head but then when she comes in the elevator i'm like stop her just don't let her come in the elevator she just lets her come in anyway and because she knows that any time that she tries to do a move she's just got a move and she just knows that they can flip it twist it and reverse it or whatever the saying goes right and she doesn't need to like knock her out or like incapacitate her or something she don't you know it's unnecessary and again it just really summarizes that whole dynamic and that emotion of like and she she probably respects the hustle you know she's like man i trained and got like whipped down and indoctrinated into the fucking red room by the russians and and i'm pretty good at what i do and this kid is just like you know hopping along skipping along and she's doing not that bad compared to me. So there's definitely a little bit of respect there. 
Um, no, I like totally bought there. the relationship. I did not think I was going to buy this relationship. They, I loved the moments in the last episode that they was in, but given that we're at this point and we're kind of, you know, at the crux of the story now and the tension and the stakes are much higher, I did not think this stuff would work at all. And I was loving mm. every second of it. Um, I was eating and, this up, man. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. From the elevator scene alone, and then she's over there doing like an elf thing where she's trying to press all the buttons at one time. Oh, the yeah. That's <laughs> so good. I'm like, this reminds me of elf in so many ways. Yes, it could have been cheesy, but the way they play, play it off, like you said, and she's yeah. looking at the corner of eye, and, you know, Yolanda is like, she's going to try this again She because she knows how Kate is. Kate is like a cat, if you think about it. Always playing with stuff, doing different things. Landing on her feet. Right. And she's like, just looking. She goes, this, this girl's going to try it again. I'm going to be ready. And then you know. she tries it again. She slaps her hand away. Then she tries again and grabs her arm. The jacket, and of course, uh, this is when Kate winds up doing that twirl where uh, the jacket comes off. And Yolanda is just very, very impressed with her. Like it was meant to happen. Because did you meant to do that? She yeah. Goes, <laughs> she's like, no. And she goes, no. Yeah. It's completely accident. <laughs> no, I think she claims it. She tries to claim it. Did she? Or did she? No, I don't remember. But I love the, I love the moment. She, like, it was, it was too perfect. And that coat, like, come on, Marvel, where's your merchandising team at? Get that coat going on. I know. Loads of people that would look good in that coat. Some that wouldn't, they would still buy it. So it, it's worth noting. Definitely Meanwhile, we've got Clint. He's further up up the building. He's now bow ties off. He's got that Ocean's Eleven look going on. <laughs> really wonderful stuff. He's um he's he's trying to take out Kazi, and he gets him with the old gas arrow because we prepped all those arrows in the um in the home alone scene. And I love the moment of Kate putting the labels on them because that needs to happen. Like why was Clint not like, come on now. That's fine. But also I don't want to be a stick in the mud here, but you can't read a label when a quiver behind your back. So how do you like, are they, and it's braille? not like you have enough time to read it. <laughs> are they braille reading it? Like with their fingers and like, I think I think it's the feel of the arrow. Maybe, maybe they know their arrows. I don't know. It's. I'll be honest with you. Now that when you mention it, <laughs> Joey, don't give me a copyright strike. I swear, that's it. That's, no more singing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I liked. Now that you mention it and everything too, it makes you wonder: How do they know? But I'm guessing it's just the way that they just know their arrows, I guess. I don't know. But when it's the right arrow, you will know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hawkeye love story. Um but... <laughs> <Where>? <laughs> but you know, um another thing I want to mention, and this is going back just a small bit where they're having that fight in that um in the different office areas i yeah. to be honest with you i love the cam i'm a huge fan of camera angles yeah and i love how this camera just pan angles and you're going along for the ride like you're reading a comic book 
It was and beautiful. It's just, it's just beautiful. But um, as for Clint with the Ocean Eleven's look and stuff like that, I thought that was really cool on that. And I'm like, okay, so where's the reveal of the costume? Because you're wondering what kind of look are they going to go for? And then you look like, then you look at it and like this, this looks like something that you would get out of the fun jump when you get stuck to Velcro. I'm like, it was yeah. So we we get to the costume, it's fine, but I mean in this shot here, that's some lovely lighting we got going on there with a the cool background and all the all all the stuff. But in the episode, it's fucking nighttime. You can't even barely see that purple stripe and the purple like the darker purple parts on the arms like he may as well just be wearing like black jeans and a black t-shirt for all i can see and the kate costume maybe i'm you know i'm no expert on ladies fashion but it looked the same as the other one to me it It looked the same as the other one so what was the point of the larpers and don't get me wrong the larpers really had a nice layer to this episode later on, or actually starting in this scene and then moving on throughout it, where they're like really helpful and just really wholesome. And I loved all their little moments, and it didn't feel silly or forced, you know, when they're dealing with like crowd control and stuff like that later on. So that stuff was great for the LARPers, but it felt like that the big payoff to that whole bit was like this silly costume thing that they were going to do and they just bypassed that they the larpers built or made really serious looking avengers level quality costumes that looked cool but i just didn't i just didn't feel the the, the point and or, or the need for it like it seemed like they were going to go the complete other way you know like the purple pants in the incredible hulk or something like that and it they didn't we didn't we didn't need the the costume change because it's not really a costume change so that felt like wasted energy throughout the show (laughs) Uh, but it's a small thing it's a really small thing it really doesn't take away from this episode because by the time we're on that ice rink i am not complaining about any fucking costumes i am eating this shit up like like a hungry, hungry hippo. <laughs> yes, exactly that. Yeah. Very Sif and Warriors three vibes, and but it was just wholesome. They were just moving people around. They threw a few hits and digs in here and there when they needed to, but they wasn't, you know, just going crazy and trying to just like clothesline people for no reason. However, I'm going to talk about another character in this show. Because I've been a big proponent throughout this this whole series of Jack is an annoying fucking idiot and he doesn't need to be in this show. But I did a 180, not going to lie. Spoiler alert, everyone. I did a full 180 on Jack. Why do I like this guy, man? Is it just me? No, I actually like Jack this to go around and everything. Yeah, because know, he's, over right? there. he's like, I've been, you know what? He's like, a, he's like us in a sense where, you know, we're all nerds and geeks in our own way, right? Jack is, resembles us in a sense. Now that we know that he's innocent, he doesn't come off as this weird guy anymore or anything like that. He's And then he has a sword, like showing, flexing his muscles, showing that he's innocent. And then finally it's like, oh, 
there's a there's a fight breaking out. Well, I'm glad I brought my sword because I finally get to use it after all the way through six episodes. He's an but, eccentric yeah. hobbyist. That's all he is. But the problem was where we were kind of like being led to believe that he's more of this like villainous character. You're thinking, oh great, this is some villain who just also happens to be a like a complete moron. But it just turns out that no, he's not a moron or a villain. He's just a dude. And because of just the prism that we were looking at him through and like the normal tropes of like how this stuff usually works, we were like just ready to hate him before there was any need to hate him. So when he comes in saying about like Christmas parties and dancing and like just trying to have fun, we were judging him. Yep. So we were all in the wrong. And this I'm a big man, critic of Jack. I, you know I, was, I hated the guy. Hated him. But it turns out that we are all Jack. So that's what happened there. And also, he backs it up with some pretty good sword moves, and he mm. does take some falls down as well. And I believed it. And then the back and forth with the little kid and him was really good too. Whenever you know, I was supposed to get your wine collection whenever you uh, went to jail. He goes, "Well, good luck because I'm out of prison now and I'm innocent." He goes, "Well, there's always a next time." And then <laughs> they're just smacked. And the chemistry between them was really good. The spoiled little rich kid in him was really good. Jack was really good. And I didn't have any problems with Jack this time. He didn't look like Wario from Mario or anything like that anymore to me. I, he was just a guy who would just like swords. If if I was to re-watch this series, which I don't know if I will, but I might, Jack would be one of the primary reasons for me doing that because I would want to see that I would want to enjoy his character now, knowing that He's just a harmless goof and he's not like got sinister undertones. Yeah. Whilst collecting illegal assassin swords, you know, and having weird auctions with questionable characters and, you know, also saying that I want to go dancing. Like, um, <laughs> Which, you know, again, I want to go dancing like a party too, but you don't see me fucking announcing it dramatically no. on Marvel's <laughs> newest Disney Plus TV series. Would I if they invited me? You fucking right, I would. Yep. But I digress. <laughs> so we're on the ice rink. The ice rink great. Trick arrows are plenty. Not disappointed with the arrow play in this um in this episode they don't overdo it um because there's only so much you can do right and we saw like variations of like all of these arrows early on in the season but they all kind of get put to like slightly different uses um got some really fun ones the magnet one is really cool and and clint just like pinging one on the um on the railing to take away all their weapons was great um However, I did have a complaint, small, minor complaint. Again, I had this earlier on in the in the um, season. Is that the tracksuit mafia? Their weapons just seem to change depending on what the scenario calls for. If you need them for close quarters combat, they've all got bats and crowbars. But if Hawkeye and Kate have got bows and arrows, 
then they've all got guns and it's just very convenient to state help stage the action. I get it, but also try and be a bit more subtle about it. I don't know how. I'm just throwing that out there. I agree. I, I think it's just convenient. Oh, they have arrows. Well, just wait. I have guns. Oh, you're using yeah. fists. Guess what I got? I got yeah. people that can actually fight. And also, too, they're going to be carrying around bats. It kind of reminds me of something from the 80s. But then when they're fighting Jack with the sword, they only have... They don't have the guns again. Like the, They, they kind of... You know, and then they've only got short-range weapons. And it's just... Okay. That's fine. I mean, the action is great, and I appreciate mm -hmm. it. I just uh, wish I wasn't so aware of that kind of stuff going on. There's something else time. I wanted to talk about, though, too. Clint being up inside the Christmas tree whenever he <laughs> falls down, and Kate's looking for him, and she goes, where are you at? And he goes, I'm right here. What do you mean you're right here? <laughs> I'm in the tree. Oh, I'll help you. And then yeah. also, too, there's a little owl that's in there that's just like the cutest thing. And to me, I was like, oh, that's cute. And then <laughs> all of a sudden, you see Kate uh, chop down the tree with the arrow. Yep. <laughs> I'm, what is the deal with the owl, Kate? I've got nothing against birds. I'm partial to the occasional bird. All right. But. What people are freaking out about this owl, I'm seeing this picture of the owl going all over the internet. It doesn't do anything. Why is it, Why would there be an owl in this tree with all the lights? Are they not nocturnal? They they don't like the light? I'm not an expert, but I, I, I just feel like they're just trying to make the owl happen. The internet is just really trying to make this owl be a thing, and it's in like two shots of the fucking episode. How much do you want to bet that Disney already has this ready to market? As a pop or as a uh, stuffed animal? I guarantee you there's going to be an owl pop. And you know what? That's but... going to be the owl pop. Is him holding the little van as a vinyl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I suppose that's the payoff, right? Is that it takes off with... I don't know. The owl is cute. It's fine. <laughs> I don't hate animals. <laughs> The owl from the tree. What is this, a nursery rhyme? <laughs> you see, I like the owl too, though. I mean, I thought he was actually okay. He was just hanging Listen, around until... If you're an owl and you're in my Christmas tree, you're going to get a little frost in. I will come for the owl. Don't you worry about that. Move it on. <laughs> Please don't report me to anyone. <laughs> the Animals Rights Society or anything like that. This owl ain't my got wife. no rights. It was in my Christmas tree, therefore it gave up its rights when it became an intruder on my personal property, right? <laughs> I know how this shit works. You get a warning shot. That's why I got double barrel shotgun. It's for a warning shot and an owl shot. And believe me, this owl will be saying owl. <laughs> 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 what is happening to this show right now? I don't know. But let's get <laughs> please like we me say back. here at Merkman <laughs> stay on target. Um so, <laughs> so... <laughs> but it's all good, man. If you don't like owls, it's okay. It's perfectly I didn't say I don't like owls. <laughs> I'm just busting your balls. 
<laughs> just... But anyways, um, but no, the ice hockey ring, Owl Free. Uh, so, uh, so... <laughs> but I like the. Uh, to be honest with you, man, I like the. Uh, <laughs> I like the hockey. I'm broke. <laughs> okay. Ugh. Okay. I shrink. Yep. And <laughs> but yeah, um, I definitely like the ice rink and everything because of the gadgets and stuff like that with the trick arrows. And then you're wondering what that dangerous one does. Yeah. And Kate sliding past when when Hawkeye's all like out of arrows, he's all in, um, you know, caught with his pants down a little bit. And the music, Kate comes sliding in. I feel for those knees. Maybe that's why you need the costume, um, just for those that knee coverage because that is a mighty slide. And I was the most most emotional slide I've ever been on. Quite frankly, that was a really good slide. That was an awesome slide. Yeah, that was Mark Wahlberg from the 1990. It was like Springsteen sliding off the stage of the Super Bowl kind of slide. <laughs> that was it was glorious. Yes. And just the music generally throughout this episode. And they don't overdo it, you know, with like the big score moments. This isn't really that kind of show. And they also don't overdo it with the um like the Christmas stuff. Like it's worked in a little bit, but it's more like moody and orchestral for the most part. I thought they struck a really good balance with that stuff. For sure. But and then, then you want... Oh, sorry. No. You, you're, you're doing the segue yourself. Carry no, 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 on, no. Sir. My bad. My bad. Sorry. I don't even know where the next one is. I mean, well, what else have we got left? Oh, so they get separated at this point, right? Because we get Yelena shows up and also... Maya is getting involved, and then I don't remember how Kate gets separated from the situation, but she ends up with with Fisk. Oh yeah, that's whenever. Remember when Clint tells her in the ice rink, "Okay, you see that? That's actually your way out of here." So yes, so Kate winds up running up the stairs after they take out all the uh, tracksuit mafia guys, and then of course it left him with Yolanda and her and him fighting against each other. So yeah. yeah. Which I thought was the weakest, some of the weakest stuff in the episode, to be honest. And it wasn't with either of their performances. I felt like the writing was kind of lame. It was just, you killed my sister. No, I didn't. You're a liar. It was just very soap opera-ish, I thought. And then we, and then we get to this moment that I've been waiting for for a long time, since the ending of the Black Widow movie, because I'm like, how the fuck is Clint going to explain what actually happened? Because he's going to have to, right? But it turns out, no, he doesn't. He literally says, look, you're not going to, you wouldn't believe if I explained what happened. Like, and at that point, you might as well try, but, like, you might as well look, look, there's Thanos had the stones and to get one of them, you had to do this. We had to do that. And she did this. Right. And then she's right. either going to, she's either going to carry on not believing you or that's going to just like 
take her so far aback that you're actually going to get your moment to reason and, and sort this stuff out. But Clint doesn't do that. Do you know what he does mm. instead? He does the secret whistle. And it <laughs> solves everything because, oh, he knows the whistle, the one or two-note whistle. And that's... And if he knows the whistle, he could have done that three episodes ago. Well... If that's all it a, took. I'm going to be honest with you. I felt the same way you did. I'm like, come on. She wouldn't believe you? Yolanda just came back from the dead, basically. Yes, yes exactly. Yes, that, it was a Martha was thing. But let me just say this. I thought for sure he was going to mention the stones. I thought for sure he was going to mention Thanos. I thought for sure he was going to say, hey, look, I was trying to stop her. She sacrificed herself so that way you can come back. And everything, but he yeah. doesn't even know that she came back or anything like that because of the blimp. But, you know, she sacrificed herself so that way she could bring everybody back. And also, too, she had to fall off a cliff so that, and sacrifice herself to do it. And I was trying to stop her, but in the process of stopping her and everything, she was the stronger one than I was. So, therefore, she had to sacrifice herself. Another thing, too, is this. And, okay, I don't know if you're, if you're going to believe me. Come on, she just came back from the dead with the blimp of a of the blimp, and you're gonna tell me that she's not gonna believe you? She's got to be alien aware. They most people have got to be aware of like the basic principles of like the Thanos situation, because like they would have had to have been like official statement and and stuff made about it, and you know the Avengers, the remaining Avengers would have had to have like reported, okay. So he got this device, you needed the six stones, and it gave you the ability to control the universe, and he made half the universe disappear. Like, there's got to be some, like, byline, rundown version of this that the public would get. And even not the public, but Yelena, you know, she, she would have intel. You would... It's not... It shouldn't be that much of a stretch to explain this stuff. Because right. they would have known, you know, there would have been news footage of, like, the Black Order and Thanos and all that stuff happening. And then, obviously, you know, this this guy shows up and then a few hours later, half the people disappear. Like, pull it together. Come on. It's not that crazy. But yeah. apparently, you don't need to say any of that. Just give it a little whistle. And I wish that I could whistle because I would have nailed that moment right there. But I, <laughs> I can whistle, but I don't know the song good enough to do it. So don't don't encourage me, please. Do not encourage me. Because <laughs> uh, we don't want to get we, a copyright claim either. Uh, we we our... get we we get enough musical number later on in this episode, which we will get to in a moment. Because all oh, that did rub me the wrong way. Okay. And maybe that's what it's supposed to do. Which... Yeah. I anyway. About. <laughs> so then we've got so we've got Hawkeye dealing with. Um, soap opera drama in one corner and in the blue corner we've got Kate and Fisk in the in a toy shop and this stuff is great and also Fisk is now in his third outfit of the episode he he evolves like a fucking Pokemon he starts out in the white jacket Josh give me the white jacket we do not have the white jacket there it is oh son so he goes from this look, then he, re about halfway into the episode, he replaces the black shirt with a Hawaiian shirt. 
So that's stage two. And then by the time we get to this scene, it's now a long white jacket instead of the, the regular white jacket and the Hawaiian shirt. And we got a hat going on. And it's the final evolutionary stage of the um, the Fiskmon, Pokefisk. We'll work on that. Get the marketing team on it, Josh. So, and we really, we really go hard to say, like, this is a powered up version of this character where you're going to hit him with cars, you're going to fire arrows into him, you're going to blow him up. This dude is a legitimate tank. And he can also, you know, will pick you up and throw you through a wall or, or just like kick you and you'll just fly across the street. It is incredible. And it they managed to amp up the cartoonishness of the whole situation, but also because D'Onofrio's amping up his performance as well and he knows this character, he's more scary and one does not detract at all from the other in the slightest. And it is an absolute thrill to watch this guy on screen anytime that he's in this episode, which is more than enough. Some people might say we didn't get enough, or some people might be a little bit disheartened with how we end this situation. So after a nice little run-in with Kate, he now has to deal with Maya. Meanwhile, Kate is putting away her own mother, her own mother in prison, and Kate's like, yeah, that sucks, I love your mum, but yeah, this is what you did. You're going to let me fire arrows and be a superhero? And you're then going to go off and join the fucking mafia and be a prick? Then what did you expect to happen? I don't feel bad for the mum at all. And I feel like she still genuinely does love her mum. And that was a that was a tough balance to put out because she's not like a vindictive, like, yeah, I got you, motherfucker. You're in jail now. I'm a superhero. Like... She's really learning those lessons of, you know, the sacrifice. You're not just like sacrifice of your own body and risking your life, but, you know, there's deeper personal sacrifices that, that comes with it. And she takes it all in stride, which is really, which is really nice to see. On the other side of the family spectrum, we have, welcome back, by the way, we have Fisk and Maya in the alleyway. Or in the street, I don't know if it's an alleyway, but they're having words, and we are not happy, even though she's family. And again, like it still felt to me like it. I'm not sure if it was obvious to her at this point. Like Fisk is done with you, Maya. Like you, you, you've gone too far. He wants you out of this. You're not just gonna like talk the Fisk off and and be done with it and walk away from the situation. And you're certainly not gonna kill him. No. Oh, yeah? They wouldn't do that, would they? They wouldn't build us up to the introduction of some of the Netflix characters finally in the MCU proper and then kill them off screen. They wouldn't do that, would they, Internet? No. What do you think? Here's the thing with that. And one of my friends goes, Josh was actually having a conversation with one of my friends about this scene. And he said that he thinks that he, because of the comics and everything that he's still alive. And of course in the comics, she winds up blinding him. Exactly. And uh -huh. 
you see another thing that I was thinking of was this there's no reason to be upset because I had a feeling that they didn't do away with him because it would be wasteful to have D'Onofrio only in Francis D'Onofrio in this uh, episode for one time and just to bring him yes. back for one time and then get rid of him. Especially no. given other developments that may or may not be happening in other movies and TV shows in the MCU. They right. wouldn't do this. Right. You know what and, I mean. Right. And I also want to make out, I know that I didn't get a chance to because I was having some computer problems or whatever, but you know, the scenes inside the store, <laughs> I know, right? It's it's like they don't want me to talk about Hawkeye or anything. But, you know, I liked this, the fight scene in the toy store. I thought it was really good. It was really built up really well. Uh, and, of course, whenever Kate winds up making it to where he can't get out of the store. And I thought for sure she was going to kill her. I thought that was the biggest thing that my friend was pissed off about, to be honest. I'm like, is she going to make it through this? And then finally you get the fight sequence outside on the sidewalk. Of course, you wind up seeing uh, the conjuring uh, woman run, <laughs> Eleanor run uh, Fisk over with the car. And of course he's knocked out and back inside the toy store he goes. Um, but then, of course, then after that happens, you wind up seeing Kate looking at her mom. Sirens are going off around them because the cops are coming to arrest Eleanor. And you're and she's like, really, you're gonna do something to this to this to me on uh, Christmas Eve on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day, and you know the thing that I like. Like, what about a piece it was, of shit, by the way. Like, yeah. you haven't done enough, and you have to evoke Jesus's birthday to try and help your case. Like, she's putting her own mother in prison. She doesn't give a fuck if it's Christmas or right. Easter or Hanukkah or or right. fucking Good Friday. It doesn't matter. Right. Okay. Like, that was a grasping at straws, desperate move from Eleanor, and it did not make you look any better at no. all. Chum. No, she was just trying to save her own ass to make her daughter feel guilty. That's all it exactly. was. And I like how Kate, you can definitely tell Kate does feel bad that she's having to do this. But at the same time, what choice does she have? Her mom put her up to this position, in, her, in this position. So therefore, she has no choice but to arrest or give the cops. And as she said earlier, you've got to be brave in all senses of the word. Like, and she she lives up to her own, you know, speeches that she's given throughout this whole show, and her like, you know, little moral like ideals and stuff. And mm -hmm. she really does put her money where her mouth is, and it it just you know really vindicated the cat not that she did vindicate as such but just really cemented like the core of this character in, in, in a place in in emcu and she'd be really really excited to see if they do young avengers you know i i, I might even put kate as the leader of that team depending on who ends up in that team if that's something that they do but yeah she really grabbed the little corner of the mcu and our heart so, good stuff. And all you got to do yep. is put your own parent in jail. Yep. And that's a Hallmark card for Heartless. you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I thought that Francis D'Onofrio did a really good job as Kingpin. He didn't miss a beat. He was born to play this role. Then, of course, like we were talking about with um, going back over with Echo and him, he wants her gone. Because of the fact that he feels like that she's a threat. And 
of course, we wind up hearing the gun go off. But like I said before, for them to get rid of him, it would be, he'll, to be honest with you, it would be a discredit to Francis D'Onofrio as an actor. There's just no way they would do no. that. They, no. they, they are more than aware of the damage that that would cause. And we're seeing it because some people actually think that that's going to be it. And no way is that it. She, no. And I don't think they're going to do the blind kingpin from the comics. I think that's a little bit too much of a pastiche um, to work on screen. I think definitely, they definitely homage that moment in the panel that we, we looked at. But I don't think they're going to do that. I think she... I think Fisk says something to her and she just shoots somewhere else and they go their separate ways and or figure things out some other way uh, or leave that as a cliffhanger for this Echo show if we're going to get that or maybe we see some other... Um, if Echo gets a show, I think for sure the opening scene of that show, we see what happens in the rest of this scene. I think that's a given. Would make sense, um, too. Yeah. But here's the thing. I wouldn't mind seeing Kingpin being on the sidelines a little bit of the Echo series as like a prequel into her life. and seeing Yeah, they could road. go that way. Um, which is something I would like to see. But also to her having her own adventures with the flashbacks of Kingpin. And then, of course, seeing what she's doing after she fires that shot. I think that's going to be the opening scene where we wind up seeing the events after um, that happens. Yes. And also, we all want to see this new version, new and improved Kingpin (laughs) 2.0 interact with, hopefully, maybe a new and improved 2.0 version of a former nemesis that he had in a TV show that may or may not be a thing that opens up possibilities down the line. I would love everyone to see that. go and see, go and see whatever Marvel movies playing in theaters right now. Everyone, I need to see it and to talk. be honest with you, <laughs> but we'll, that's all I'm going to say. Just everyone do your research and we'll have another conversation later. So hit me up on the Twitter. I'm not wrapping up just yet. We'll go for another one minute or so because Hawkeye goes back to the cabin with Kate and and the dog in tow. Of course, they're there with him. That's no surprise in the car there. We know that's happening. Um, and we've got presents. We've got a watch. We finally get the mystery of this watch solved. There's the watch. And I didn't even pick up on... I was still confused after this episode. Like, what was the fucking point of the watch? And Josh explained it to me before we started the show. That that is, in fact, Agent 19 is where the 19 comes from. And that is Mockingbird. So we are now, I guess, confirming that Linda Carladini has been Mockingbird this whole time or was Mockingbird at some point in the MCU, which I don't know exactly how I feel about that. But it makes sense. Mockingbird was married to Hawkeye in the comics, um, but it's a different character in the comics entirely. And the Linda Carladini character was an original wife character for Clint in the movies. But now we're retroactively saying that she was, in fact, Mockingbird. And what does that mean? Why do we need to... Are we going to... Is she going to jump back into the action and rejoin S.H.I.E.L.D. that doesn't exist anymore? They're going to go on adventures and leave the kids with Kate. 
Like, what is the point? I don't know where that goes, but I'm interested. Are we going to get a season two? It might lead into Secret Invasions, maybe, or somewhere around that line. Yes. And again, I said this to Josh before the show, Mockingbird and Hawkeye relationship has a very spicy part to play in the Secret Invasion storyline in the comics. I don't know if we're going to get that because we're getting Secret Invasion as a TV show, so it's not going to be like a movie endgame level event, which that storyline could be if they wanted to. But then, you know, we've got Hawkeye, we've got, you know, Academy Award nominee Jeremy Renner and Linda Cardellini on a TV show, so maybe they'll both be in the Secret Invasion and that will kind of come will act as like an Avengers of the TV shows and we'll get all the different TV show characters appearing in that. We, we know we're getting Nick Fury in that. We're getting Maria Hill, Kobe Smulders and stuff. So I'm really excited for that storyline. This show doesn't directly set that up, but maybe if you read between the lines a little bit, that's what we're getting. And it's lovely to see Kate with the family. She just fit right in. You know, it might be a little bit weird, you know, if I come home to my wife and be like, yeah, I've got this um, 18, 17-year-old girl hanging out with me. And also we have a dog together. Um, <laughs> it's like a whole other life. It's not weird. Yeah. <laughs> but when, see, uh, when you're an Avenger, the rules change. That's all I'm saying. You just get a free you know, pass. <laughs> you, only to be fair, no, 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 any other kind of free pass. You're not doing that. Maybe season two. Maybe there's right. a time jump. Maybe that works. But for now, no, we've got Mockingbird, Agent 19. And that's a, that's a bold watch to be for an agent to be wearing. But again, that's fine. Any final thoughts on this series as a whole, though? Only like three out of the six episodes. <laughs> I like this one and the one that we talked about before with the yeah yes. the end credits scene. Uh, good point. Good point. Let's talk about that. Just going to put my arm and lean while we talk about this credit scene. You got anything overall to say about the, the three of the six episodes that were good? Or is that uh, just how you feel 50-50? That's how I feel, to be honest with you. Just three of the six episodes that we geeked out over this one the toy store episode and then there was one other one that i liked and that was it yeah i liked all the episodes and this last episode definitely recontextualizes how i look at a couple of the characters um so maybe it's worth me watching it again maybe i'll like the episodes that i didn't like as much maybe i'll like those more now um I would still put this show, um, there's a lot of people been ranking the MCU projects of the whole year on, on Twitter. Um, I think this show as a whole still probably is in the, the lower, the middle to lower half if it was going to be ranked. But as far as the end credit scene, I'm sitting there and I hated the song when they did it in the other episode. Me but too. You're, you're kind of supposed to hate it. And it's supposed to be corny as shit, and that's fine. So I'm like, okay, what's the point here? And I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm like, man, I really hate this song, and the longer version is even worse than the regular version that we had. But I'm assuming there's a point, 
Why am I still watching this? What the fuck am I doing? Why am I still watching this? I was praying that they were going to do a Spider-Man 3 thing, right? And we were going to zoom out into the crowd and we were going to see Fisk and he was going to be sitting there watching the musical, which again would have been horrible. There's no way that Wilson Fisk would go to this because (laughs) that is a man of art and culture. (laughs) That man goes to the opera. Okay, right. See, he does not go like to shit like machine. this. <laughs> but I still would have liked to have seen him there because it would have made would have meant that there was a point to this fucking scene. But they, you know, like in Family Guy, they started doing this joke where they would cut to like they would do a cutaway gag to like a cheesy song or a stupid music video. But then the whole gag would become we're just going to play the whole fucking music video and it's going to go on forever, and that's the gag and it's not funny and I don't like those shows really that's what this felt like it was just a troll cutaway gag and it we think it's funny because we know that it's going on longer than it should and it's right. just really funny to the writers but not to anyone else Trolling that's what this felt fans like is what they're doing and it's like that's this was a solid this is a really solid show it wasn't it didn't blow anything out of the water but it didn't fuck anything up. It didn't underwhelm. It it hit all the things that it needed to hit. And it was a damn entertaining show for the holidays. They didn't, yeah, they, give us something. Or just don't give me an end credit scene. Just that it was unnecessary. It just felt cheap. And it really kind of, I don't know, it didn't end me on the mood that I wanted to end this series on, which was, you know, wholesome, a little bit introspective entertaining action adventure show and that's the taste you want to leave in my mouth at the end of it and I could not do that all day tell the people where they can find you okay so you guys can go on ahead follow me underneath movie lovers tv lovers unite on facebook underneath the same brand name on instagram and pinterest as well if you guys want to go on ahead and and donate to our page all you have to do is go to gofundme.com slash movie lovers podcast donate five dollars over there if you guys can't i understand because of the holidays but going over to our youtube channels like subscribe do all that other stuff click that smash that little bell on the bottom right hand corner to allow you guys to know when i have something new coming out tonight eight o'clock central time nine o'clock eastern time i'm going to be finishing up my hawkeye series because i didn't get to do episode five or six last week so we're actually combining the two of them so we're doing that and then uh, tomorrow night, I'm going to be doing a, re- a Christmas review of Fat Man, which is going to be at 8 o'clock sometime, 9 o'clock Eastern Time over there. And then Friday, we're just taking the Christmas Eve off, and we'll be back on Monday. But if you guys want audio-only podcasts of our show, you can get that wherever you guys get your major podcasts from. Of course, go on ahead. Follow me under TikTok underneath Movie Lovers Unit Zero. And then, of course, on Twitter at Movie Lovers Unit over there. And then, of course, if you guys want to go on ahead and reach out to me, if you want to be on the show, if you're a sponsor, go on ahead. Go over to MovieLoversUnite at gmail.com, and that's how you can reach out to me. And that's everywhere that you guys can like, follow me, and all that other good stuff on social media. All of that, guys. Hope you wrote that down. Do it all right after this. You will find me on Dean Lewis 2099 on Twitter. You can go and get me on Instagram. I believe it's the same thing. Find out. Have a search. And if it's not me and I got it wrong, follow that person too. Give them some love. Also, I'm going to be rolling on with this channel into next week. We, uh, is, it, is it straight away next week, Josh? We're going to be going into Boba Fett when that starts. 
So that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Next week, is it Wednesday? Or is it Friday? Yes, it is. It's on Wednesday. Boom. There you go. See that synergy right there. That's the kind of chemistry you can come to expect here on the Mert with the Movie Blog channel. And we hope to see you and Boba Fett and all of that good stuff in a galaxy far, far away. Hope you've enjoyed checking out Hawkeye with us every week. And we will see you checking out a different show on a different week. And have a great Christmas, everybody. Try not to ruin your families with alcohol and arguments. Peace out. <laughs> Peace.